So what does it mean to have a full and fulfilled chronic illness life? I touched a little bit on this in episode one when I um, shared my story, but I want to delve a little bit deeper. How do you continue to live life to the full when your health limits everything you do? How do you cope with waiting for a reprieve in symptoms when, you know what, the reality is sometimes there just is no reprieve coming? Look, there isn't, as I said in my previous um, podcast episode, there's no easy answers to some of these questions. They're definitely hard questions to ask and very hard questions to answer. It can be overwhelming to wake up day after day only to discover your legs and your feet are still broken, your spine's unstable, your fatigue is just as bad, if not worse than it was when you fell asleep the night before. There's a pile of medication sitting on your bedside table just staring at you alongside a glass of water. It's an immediate reminder that all is not well. There are, however, two things that really help me to live a fulfilled life despite the uncertainty, despite the pain and despite the disappointment. Patience and purpose. I've discovered a whole new level of patience over the past 10 years and that's really been the key to me living well with chronic illness. And when I talk about patience, it's multifaceted, I guess, is, is the word I'm looking for. It's patience with my body, Patience with my medical team. Patience with people who just struggle to understand what it's like living with a chronic disease. Patience is just not something that's come easy to me. You know, it just is something that I have had to work really hard to, um, I guess, accept I need. (laughs) Um, Because to become impatient causes a level of stress and then that stress causes an increase in pain. So how on earth did I become so patient? I have always been known as instant Sam by my family and close friends. I like to think that, you know, if something's going to happen, it has to happen now. If I have a goal, I've always put 100% of my energy into it um, and I've always wanted it to happen as fast and as quickly as it possibly could. But I did learn, as I said, quite quickly, once my health deteriorated, if I wanted to be involved in an activity I loved, that slow and steady was the only way of doing it. If I rushed, I literally would fall in a physical heap. A lack of patience in the very early days when I was first diagnosed, honestly, it just taught me that it wasn't a smart way to live, um, not if I wanted to have a new life and a fulfilled life. I also learned patience brings a wonderful sense of peace. As expectations are realigned, your pressure is reduced. You start giving yourself permission to live at the pace that your body allows, and that is amazingly freeing. The key, though, is only you can give yourself that permission. It's really nice to have others around you, supporting you, cheering you on, um, you know, just encouraging you. But ultimately, unless you allow yourself to adjust your life, it is just not going to happen. You are the only one that can truly do that. I also believe that if you don't adjust your life, others in your life won't get the true picture of how much your health is affecting you. What I mean by that is, We often wear an unrealistic wellness mask. 
So the wellness mask is something that we put on because we want to say to people that we're okay or it's just a natural response. Someone asks how you are and we say, I'm good, how are you? <laughs> um, and often our illnesses are invisible illnesses. I guess there's a side of mine where I'm fortunate that it's quite obvious that I can't walk um, or not walk well without aids. So, um, you know, there, there's a sense where it's not completely invisible for me. But for many of us with chronic illness, and, and it's been that's been the case in my life um, for some years, my illness has been invisible. And if someone just sees me sitting in a chair, they would probably think that now. So as a result of wearing an unrealistic wellness mask, you're at risk of falling into a vicious circle of not feeling supported. I think it's really important to work out your limits and let others in your support circle know exactly what those limits are. They then have a clear picture of what they need to do to support you live the best life possible with your chronic disease. Remember though, to be patient while those in your support circle also adjust to the changes you were making. It is all a process. And it takes time to achieve. Keep in mind that your change in health is a change for everyone around you. And in that kind of change environment, all kinds of stresses can come to the fore. So again, patience is so important. I want to get back to you though. And I want to talk about um, purpose for you, for me. Uh, for those of us that are actually living with this chronic illness. So once you've realized, realigned sorry, your expectations and you've discovered that you can be patient with your new body, it's really important to find purpose. We all need purpose in life. It doesn't matter whether you're healthy or you're unhealthy. Um, it just doesn't matter. We need it no matter how large or how small. We need a goal and we need to know that every morning we're waking up for a reason. And for some, it might be achieving goals like reading an entire book series you've always wanted to read. If you're mobile and you can get out of the house for a while, you might join a craft group or a choir or volunteer at a local charity. Um, that might suit you. Due to my disease and disabilities, I'm pretty much housebound, so I need to find purpose at home. Starting my blog nearly six years ago now, that was the beginning. But I didn't just start it without thinking it through. One, because I had no idea what on earth I was doing. So I first completed an online blogging course through the Australian Writers' Centre. That was my initial step towards what was going to open a whole new world to me, a world I really had no idea existed and I had no idea how far it would develop. I was so nervous about opening myself up to others. I write about deeply personal things, but I felt I needed to tell my story and I hoped that it would eventually reach others who were experiencing a similar journey. You know, in those early days and even now, I wasn't interested particularly in how many blog followers I had. I would have been happy to reach one person. I had two reasons to blog. One was I wanted to just write because I loved it. And then the second reason was I wanted to reach out to people in need. And, you know, I didn't know, as I said, whether that would be one person, 20 people, 50 people um, or more. I, I just wanted to start somewhere. I previously in my 20s studied freelance journalism and nonfiction writing. So writing was an absolute long time love for me. Um, and suddenly I had time to explore it. You know, my career was over. I couldn't work anymore. Um, 
I needed to do something with this brain that used to work as an executive manager running a 24-hour department and, you know, just burning the candle at both ends. All of a sudden, all of that was gone and yet my brain hadn't died. My body was doing a great job of trying to, but my brain hadn't died. I needed purpose. I needed to be able to um, do something that engaged my thoughts, something that was creative as well because even though I was in the business world, um, much of what I was doing was was creative work in terms of um, writing even, you know, communication, engaging with staff, motivating staff, finding ways to, um, you know, lead our business in a different way. All of those things are tapped into that creative, uh, those creative juices, I guess. So I needed to find a way to continue to do that um, in this chronic illness world that I was now uh, catapulted into. I also had, as I said, a deep desire to serve others. So I knew I couldn't volunteer outside of the home, but I'd been involved with a charitable organisation in Queensland called Arthritis Queensland, um, and they had a very small web-based support group for women with inflammatory arthritis. So back in 2015, I decided to offer my time to help expand the group and transferred it onto a Facebook um, group for them, a private Facebook group for them. And that group's now been going for, what, nearly five, um, I guess five years, yeah, uh, with nearly over 1,600 members and it's enormous support to those who belong to it. I sadly had to step down as admin of that though after 12 months as my health deteriorated further and I had so many surgeries uh, back-to-back and very difficult recoveries. I didn't completely lose my purpose though through that time. I had to readjust my expectations again and that's probably key too. You know, we may start out with a particular goal and purpose and things with chronic illness will always um, have twists and turns. So we've got to find ways to constantly think about how we can readjust um, our lives. That, that, that is, I guess, <laughs> our ongoing challenge when living with chronic illness. So I kept blogging about my health because I had set up my blog. Um, so my health journey continued to be shared and um, through through uh, regular blog posts. And I did remain volunteering for Arthritis Queensland, um, but as an administrator for one of their smaller groups. And that's a group for parents with children who have juvenile idiopathic arthritis. And I'm still an administrator um, for that group. It's a heart-wrenching group to... Um, to care for, but it's so rewarding to facilitate a place for these parents where they come to connect through their grief and through their victories as they care for their children with um, such a horrendous disease. So, as I said, um, volunteering was just an as important to me as um, my own blog. Um, and, yeah, I guess, you know, as as doing something that was, in, I guess, for me, I also needed to do something that was outside of me, which was the volunteering and is still the volunteering for Arthritis Queensland. It's an absolute delight to um, be a part of their team. And there's other things that I now do for them as well. They have a, a peer assist program where they actually um, – team up somebody like myself who's been diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis with somebody who calls through and would like to have a series of six phone calls um, and 
needs some help in terms of adjusting to their diagnoses or perhaps they've been living with their um, illness for a while and, and are just not coping. So Arthritis Queensland matches up and um, it's just so rewarding and, and I absolutely love doing that uh, for them and, and with them. But then at the start of 2017, it was really clear that my disability was um, not going to improve at all. In fact, it was worsening. I found I had even more time on my hands and I felt I needed even more purpose. My blog was expanding slowly and I also began writing some articles for The Mighty. Now, The Mighty is um, based in the US. Um, it's a, I guess you call it an a, um, online magazine slash newspaper um, designed specifically for people with uh, chronic disease, whether that be uh, rare diseases, um, uh, you know, cancer, depression, um, a whole range. It, it just uh, covers the whole gamut of 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 health, really, and and um, and the wellness, the wellness sector. But yeah, so I was able to um, submit articles, and um, they were accepted, much to my surprise. Uh, but the most important thing, which was absolutely amazing, was my very first article that I submitted to them. They um, promoted um my blog which was fantastic <laughs> so i ended up getting a whole heap of followers which i was not expecting to get so um that it was just an amazing opportunity where a door opens and you think oh my goodness that is just so lovely i, I didn't expect that to happen but then as i said i found i had more time on my hands so um you know that was important to me to, to expand my writing and, and see see what else i could do and there were a couple of other publications that i wrote wrote for too but i continue to write for the mighty and i think i've written over uh, 53 articles for them now and um and have just been um appointed as a super contributor which is just lovely so i was satisfying my writing desire but i wasn't fully satisfying my desire to serve i could have returned to my previous online volunteer admin role in that bigger group within arthritis queensland but there were others able to serve there now and they were doing an amazing job so the last thing they needed was um the person who you know founded the facebook group to come back and and do that i just i just needed to leave that alone i felt and concentrate on the other group that i looked after for arthritis queensland and think about what else could i do um now that i had this this time on my hands so I decided in a moment of madness that it would be good to try and connect with people who had rare and complex diseases. What I found with some Facebook, with a lot of Facebook groups actually um, in the chronic illness world is that they're often for a particular disease and that's so important. Um, please don't get me wrong on that. That really is important. But it can also be limiting because often if you have one chronic illness, it's likely that you have a couple of others that like to hang on so I found that that was happening um yeah more and more as I was beginning to speak to people in other groups that I was a part of and I thought you know there's a real need to have something where um it doesn't matter what your disease is it just is about the fact that you have a disease and um I didn't want people to be limited in terms of only able to talk about that disease. I wanted people to be able to talk about life. I wanted people to be able to embrace the fact that chronic illness is a part of our life. 
but it's not all of our life. And I felt that some groups limited the ability to do that. So, as I said, had this crazy thought um, that, you know what, there'd be no harm in me perhaps trying to start a Facebook group. <laughs> so I did. I created Medical Musings with Friends and the rest, as they say, is history. Um, I really can't believe it's turning four in four months' time on the 14th of January in 2021, but it is. And it's been amazing. I have over 1,700 members and it's a global group um, and it is just such an amazing community. I do manage it pretty tightly. Um, I wanted to create a particular culture of friendship. I wanted to create a culture of genuine care and understanding. Um, we keep it as a PG group because PG rated group because I want it to be a place where anyone can come from any faith, um, any any background and feel that they're in a safe place where there will be no offence um, to to what's important in their lives. And so that was really important to me as well. So, um, yeah, it's a place where bloggers can share their blogs, um, writers can share their articles, singers can share their music, whatever it might be. Podcasters can share their podcasts. You know, it, it doesn't matter, but anything can be shared in that group. So long as it's about um, creating genuine connections and providing real care and support for each other. And that's what we've been able to create. And it's just been amazing. So thanks to living with patience and purpose, I really am living an incredibly full life from my lounge room, my bedroom, my back patio. I connect with people from all over the world and I provide a service where others can feel supported. And that's just amazing and means so much to me. It's a place, as I said, where they can make new friends, a place where they're not judged for what they can't do, but they're celebrated for what they can do despite their diseases. So I've got a few tips to help you on your journey, which I hope will help you. If you're starting out on your chronic illness journey or perhaps have been struggling to adapt with the changes it's brought to your life, just take a breath. Just be still for a while. You know, sometimes we can overthink things. Sometimes we can, I don't know, just let all those worries just run around at 100 miles an hour when really all we need to do is just put the kettle on, make a cup of tea or coffee or whatever it is that you fancy. Sit down in a chair and just take a deep breath. So be patient with yourself. Once you've taken that deep breath, once you've allowed yourself space to declutter all those thoughts that are stopping you from moving forward, that are crippling you with all the worries, once you've just stopped your brain from doing that for, you know, a, a moment, a while, take time to review how you were trying to live as opposed to how you need to be living. So slowly start to make the necessary changes that allow you to live a life where you are patient with your new circumstances. And look, the best way to do that is to write a list. Write a list of all the things that 
you're currently doing, which you know physically or even mentally you are no longer capable of doing. Write them out. And then write down the things that you know that you could be doing that would make your life feel better, that would give you a focus outside of chronic illness, that would change your life for the better. And some of those things might be practical. It might be that you actually need help in the home, for example, um, and you've just not got to that point of, of investigating the possibilities of having that happen. But some of it might be not even related to chronic illness at all. It simply might be that you have lost so much in terms of what you used to do, that you used to enjoy, that you now need to find things that you can do with your disability that you can still enjoy. And share your thoughts and the changes you need to make with someone you love and trust, um, whether that be a loved one or whether it be a good friend or whether it simply be somebody that you've connected with on an online support group. To actually verbalise what it is that we need to do makes it real and often can help push us towards those goals and those purposes because we've said it out loud, somebody knows about it, we almost feel like we've committed to it So, um, as a result of doing that. As you remove things from your life that you can no longer do, it really, though, is important that you replace them with things that you can do. So, you know, don't fall into the trap of going, I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't do the other thing, um, I'll stop doing all of that. Before you know it, you've stopped doing everything. Um, that will only lead you into a spiral of despair, really. So as you remove one thing or, 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 you know, a lot of things, replace it with a couple of meaty things that you know that you can do so that as you're grieving the loss of the things that you can't do, you're also focusing on something that you can do and it's giving you a sense of achievement. And there is nothing better than that when you're living with chronic illness. Find your new purpose, explore it, dream about it and patiently put it in place. I, the word dream about it, you know, it's so important to imagine our future. It's so important to take time to dream. Um, I'll talk about that in future episodes as well. I, I wrote a blog post, um, I think about oh, no, 12 months ago now, about Dare to Dream. And some of the things that I wrote in that 12 months later actually happened, which I never expected that they would. So, um, you know, to dare to dream and to to allow ourselves to have a vision is really, really important. So don't be afraid to do that. Life with chronic illness and disabilities is not over, even if it may feel like it is at the moment. With time, it is possible to begin living again. Look, I've just touch the surface of this subject and I will come back to it in future episodes but I just want to you know leave you with that that thought again that with patience and with purpose your new friends they're your new friends a different full and fulfilled life can slowly emerge there's a really lovely quote from a lady called Joyce Meyer and it's patience is not the ability to wait but the ability to to keep a good attitude while waiting. 
So, you know, try and stay as positive as you can. And the way to do that is to not allow yourself to just remain in this kind of bubble of feeling like you can't do anything. You can. You just have to find the thing that you can do. And then once you've found that thing, you've got your purpose. Go for it. You've really got nothing to lose. Talk to you next time.